Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. Before a budget, before having a solid game plan, what did we do? We did exactly the opposite of what we should have done when deciding to commit to transitioning to the cruising lifestyle. Welcome to Covert Castaway. Today, I'll share my story about how we got our sailing plan kickstarted and ignored every piece of advice anyone will give you on where to start. Never fall in love with the boat. Like other goals in my life up to that point, it's really hard for me to embrace big changes unless I can visualize what it will be like. I need a vision of what the outcome would be. I needed to be able to picture myself living on a boat and not living in fear of shark attacks flesh-eating bacteria, and rogue waves. My husband, on the other hand, could be happy in a 24-foot boat and a bucket as a head, which he actually did at one point, as I previously mentioned. Me, not so much. This is not to say I'm a princess, trust me. I grew up in a log cabin in sub-zero temperatures without running water and electricity. We literally had an outhouse, and I was chopping wood and heads off chickens for dinner at six years old. This is not a lie. Upward mobility after that point consisted of mobile home parks and run-down apartment complexes in rough neighborhoods. And this was after my parents broke up. We lived on food stamps and donations at one point, and my mom put herself through school with two kids. But those days for me ended when I got myself into a good college and committed myself to having a career where I could support myself and afford the nice things in life. While monetary belongings suddenly lacked meaning when we made this decision, which I talked about in the previous episode. I was comfortable in the dichotomy of wanting to simplify my life and be self-sufficient on a really kick-ass boat with air conditioning. I've totally embraced the hypocrisy. My husband, he was good to find a solid blue water used monohull. But I had grown accustomed to our little trips on ever bigger catamarans. Life on a cat just seems so much more civilized. And I figured, look, if you have a dream, go big or go home. Plus, We did agree that redundancy was good. There were other benefits of a cat. Two engines in case one breaks, for example, and extra heads. And while typically cats don't right themselves if they flip, they also don't usually sink right away, as with monohulls with big keels, which really helped me in the fear category. We settled on a cat as a dream boat, and off we went to build a financial plan around the ideal scenario. We figured at least we would end up being able to afford something decent if we started with the plan of our dreams. So long with our take-no-prisoners approach to daydreaming, we convinced ourselves that by the time we bought a gently used boat and outfitted it with everything we wanted, it would about be equal to buying a new boat. So we decided to buy a new boat. When it comes to cats, there are really three games in town. Lagoon, Leopard, and Fountain Peugeot. Lagoon was the top of our list for a while. And I'll be honest, The pictures in the brochures over time started to kind of get worn away from us massaging the photos when we would come home after really bad commute days. But then, Fountain Peugeot introduced their 47 model in 2017, and it had us both at hello. While the first CAD videos and pictures were a tease enough that we booked a non-refundable ticket to the Annapolis Boat Show, we did this the second we heard there would be one there in real life, the first ever shown at any show in the U.S., Prior to the event, we researched boat brokers who could sell us the boat. 
A little bit backwards, but that's what we did. Our logic was to pick a broker that had a decent history with the boat builder and was stable enough to be around for warranty work. We made a few calls and set up some appointments. Before I move on, 2017 was not a great year. And the best way to distract ourselves from the political drama that was unfolding was to constantly curate our Facebook feeds by joining sailing groups and blocking pretty much everything else. We replaced our daily dose of news with Warriors basketball and followed YouTube cruising bloggers religiously. I'm sure half my paycheck goes to these people on Patreon out of gratitude for keeping us inspired and happily distracted from the gangster politics of our country right now. Okay, soapbox over. In our daily dose of social consumption, we happened to find a couple online who was about a year and a half away from picking up their sailboat. They lived just a few miles from us. One instant message later, and we were on a hike with them talking about solar panels and debating whether Yanmars were really better than Volvo engines. Our world pretty much opened up after that. We met real-life humans doing what we wanted to do. The next time we saw them was in Annapolis, which turned into a really productive trip since we ended up putting a deposit down for a boat, which is actually sort of nuts. I have to clarify here. We didn't do it because there was pressure from a broker or because we were intoxicated by that new boat smell. We did it because we wanted to put pressure on ourselves to execute. We had also been spending quite a bit of time on financial planning, something I'll cover later. So putting this money down wasn't spontaneous as much as it was calculated and recalculated and recalculated. We were at the point where we had to see the boat with our own two eyes, and if we liked it, we just had to put a deposit down and just do it. We walked onto the boat, and it was honestly love at first sight. To keep ourselves honest, we walked on every other boat of the show, but always came back to this one. There were much bigger and much more expensive boats, and much less expensive boats too, but this one was just right. The check went towards a place in line. 2017 was also a bad year for hurricanes. It leveled the BVIs, and we had just been there a few months before on a bareboat charter. That area lost thousands of boats, so owners were putting fresh deposits on new boats as they were awaiting their insurance settlements to clear. All the manufacturers saw a huge surge and were pushing delivery dates out as long as two years. These boat builders aren't like large-scale car manufacturers. They're more like family-owned businesses. Literally, Fountain Peugeot is owned and operated by a husband and wife team just outside of La Rochelle, France. By the way, we met Claire Fountaine at Annapolis, and she's such a lovely woman and a badass sailor by anyone's standard as a world champion racer. Side note, they sailed their 50-foot cat from France to Annapolis that year for the show, and I was dying to see how their boat was set up. She explained in French that they like to keep it simple and live without any of the systems that most of us here would want to cram on it. Our broker was begging us not to look at it, of course, because it really wasn't in his best interest. No big systems, no AC, not even a bimini. We asked her why she didn't even have a bimini, and she smiled and said, that when she needs shade when she's sailing, she simply puts on a hat. Later, we did a manufacturer's tour, which I'll cover in a future episode. We got to see how the boats get built, but suffice it to say, this is not a large-scale operation. One boat comes out a week, one at a time. No big tech process automation like what happens at Tesla, none of that. Each boat is in its own way a custom boat, because each part of the process involves handiwork done by people with the names of, like, Jacques and Michelle, who've been doing it for years. 
So the down payment check basically buys you the honor of getting a space in line. That commitment on our part started the adventure of learning about how the boat industry works. It's nothing like anything I've ever experienced. We got back from the trip just giddy and trying to explain to a very small circle of trusted friends and our family why we put a down payment on a boat for a delivery date that's unknown for a boat we hadn't up to this point ever sailed at a price that we didn't yet fully understand. You heard this right. The builder can't commit on a boat price because the delivery is so far out. They don't know what it'll cost. We may not have passed the red face test on that, but again, such as the boat adventure. You just have to kiss your expectations goodbye and either not tell people what you're doing or be okay with getting weird looks when you try to talk about it. We also came back that week with a commissioning spreadsheet, which to this day is a bane of our existence. It's about a 300-row spreadsheet that outlines all the decisions you have to make about how you will spend your money and your life on this boat. It's not at all like buying a car where you basically say, look, I want the sport package and I want it in blue. It involves whether or not you want this navigation system or that navigation system. Or do you need both for redundancy? Which one do you bet your life on when you're doing a passage at night through a landmine of atolls? It also sparks full feud potential, like how important is air conditioning on a boat, since that decision also means paying for an expensive generator. My husband's perspective on that is, if Claire doesn't need it, neither do I. And I'm like, dude, do you want to cuddle or not? Because my standard equipment comes with hot flashes. What kind of water maker and how big? Uh, I don't know. How much water will we use? I don't know. How much water do we use now? Blank stares at each other. Okay, so moving on. Do we need an ice maker? Uh, seems like we maybe might. Or is it a luxury? Well, it could be good to have one if we're chasing the sun for a few years. Gosh, do we need any of this? So we finally separated the list based on two categories, safety and comfort, and started prioritizing the decisions that way. That got a little easier. Life raft, check. Sea anchors, check. Blue underwater lights. Hmm, is this safety or comfort? Well, you know, it's good to see, you know, an anchoring at night. Yeah, it's definitely safety. So we're still working through the list. So anyone will tell you not to fall in love with the boat. Certainly not a new one. But for us, this really made our financial goals much more tangible. We could create an ambitious budget and prioritize how we make decisions. What does this mean? Well, here's some examples. When your financial goals are really clear, it takes a lot of ambiguity out of other life decisions you have to make, like whether now's the time to change jobs, or if you change jobs, how important is money? How important is your bonus structure and when the payouts are? What to buy or how to invest? Today, sometimes I see a nice purse or a fancy pair of shoes, and I used to buy them. Now I ask myself, do I want that designer purse or do I want a rock and a boat anchor? Do we need new landscaping this year in the yard, or should we save for an upgraded solar system? A new couch or flex teak? A new suit for a big presentation or a battery monitor? See, saving money now is so much easier. Not only that, we can estimate maintenance and insurance costs, or what will it cost to dock or store it on the hard? So I feel much more control of our financial strategy and what it's really going to take without relying on what other cruisers say with different boats, because everybody has a different 
level of spending, and every boat's different. I'll also say I'm stoked. I'm super excited about living on a boat, which sure takes the edge off when I'm studying scary things like storm tactics and hurricane conditions. I have an amazing specific dream to run to when every cell in my body is overwhelmed with life-changing decisions or fear of the unknown. So here's the lesson I learned. It's okay to fall in love with the boat. Falling in love with the boat keeps us focused and energized. So ask us later if that worked out for us or not. But for now, it's working for us when it comes to getting our butts on the boat in the first place. So what about you? Did you buck advice too or take a much more measured and pragmatic approach to inspiring your cruising plans? Please visit Covert Castaway on the episode page or on Facebook and give your advice or any other topics you would like me to cover. In next week's episode, I'll share the process of deciding to sell the house, the self-bargaining and mental gyrations leading up to the for sale sign going up in the front yard. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now.